Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This segment is going to be all about people who have lost their marbles. One, it's, a, it's a long list. <laughs> one guy, <laughs> one guy in a good way and one guy in not so good a way. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. All right, Brad, dealer's choice. You want to talk about the guy who lost his marbles in a good way or the guy who lost his marbles in a bad way? Your choice. Who do you want to go with oh first? Oh, my gosh. Um good way although it, it just occurred to me rob as i'm looking out the window it appears that there's a cannon on the monument aimed squarely at your head <laughs> <laughs> the the governor <laughs> doesn't it boy the governor has said shoot to kill shoot to kill uh all right so you want to start with the guy who's lost his marbles in, in a, a good way in a good way okay yes. so this is john fetterman and here is what i will say about john fetterman okay he is saying a lot of interesting things. He, he has been for a while. But it, have the, I told you my John Fetterman story? No, please. Oh, okay, well, I have not met him. However, Sheila and I were driving. My Sheila wife is your wife. Sheila is my wife. We were driving through Pennsylvania and stopped at a rest area out there. So this would have been three years ago. T- and at the rest area, you know, they had pictures of a yeah. man in a suit. It was the governor and some other woman that was <laughs> very common. The, the very, it was very there. Common. And then I, I even commented, I'm like, oh, how nice. They have a picture of the janitor up here on the wall as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be John Fetterman, Fetterman, who was the lieutenant governor. Who was the lieutenant governor at the time. <laughs> so, so uh, look, obviously... Let me preface by saying this. John Fetterman has not voted yet in any way that would tell you he's actually not still a radically left person. He has said some things that are interesting. But I caution everybody who's like, oh, my gosh, look at this evolution of Fetterman. It's one thing to say things, but what you say doesn't matter. The only thing that matters as an elected official is how you vote. And thus far, I've yet to see John Fetterman cast a single solitary vote that is not in lockstep with the Democrat Party. Now, if he starts doing that, we got a new ball game. But we're in the audio industry, and we are we make our living based on playing interesting things and commenting on them. And so over the past, well, really since he reemerged from that mental health care that he was under, draw your own conclusion, John Fetterman has started making, on a bevy of issues, a lot of sense, Brad. I I have some insight on this. Let's play the clip, and then I will I will share some. Okay, some so insight. this is Fetterman uh, recently uh, talking about the crisis at the border, and he says it pretty concise. And allies admit there's a crisis at the border, and uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. Okay, but your party, John. Says there is not. not. They want to act like it's not that big a deal. And they want to act like the answer is to just change the asylum laws rather than actually deal with the issue, which is, hey, you've got millions of illegal immigrants, many of them highly dangerous individuals flooding into this this country. Uh, I will say this about Fetterman. He seems to get great joy in being an antagonist, and it appears he has found being an antagonist to his own party is the place that will bring him 
the happiness that he seems to be seeking. Yes, well, he's verbally. always been a little bit of a renegade. Now, I will say, so Fetterman had a, uh, a stroke here, what, a year and a half, yeah. two years ago. And that it, giant thing on the back of his neck. It, yeah, he's got a big goiter or whatever there is back there. But on the stroke, that's a traumatic brain injury. And my wife has four, five years ago, right before I met her, had had a traumatic brain injury. And the saying, it knocks some sense into her. Yeah. She says that there is something to be said for that. No kidding. That Yeah. She's like, yeah. She goes, I had a lot of people in my life that just were insufferable, but yet I put up with them. Yeah. And she's like, no. She goes... A lot of things were clearer after that, and I put them in the category of important or not important, and all the non-important stuff I got rid of. Is that interesting? Because basically what you're saying is that in her world, hey, if there is a possibility or you've been presented with the fact that the end could be near, and then the end is you are able to emerge from that, you realize you don't have time to waste on things that are meaningless. Correct. And you don't have time to placate people who you know to be either disingenuous or dishonest or not in the best interest of you, or in this case, maybe with Fetterman, it's the American people as a collective. Right. He recognizes that there's a problem, and he's not going to pretend it's not a problem. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that he's not still a super lib, and it doesn't still mean that he wouldn't stab you in the back if, you know, the chips are down, because, again, there's nothing in his voting record yet that we've seen that would lead you to believe that he is, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas Day and has been visited by three ghosts. But it is interesting that he's been willing to say the things. And what's been most interesting to me is the reaction from the left, who are absolutely livid with the fact that the guy is making repetitive common sense statements or doing common sense things like when he had those little Israeli flags and was laughing hysterically at the Palestinian, the Hamas protester, the pro-Hamas people getting arrested. So, uh You'll take you'll take the small victories where you can get them, Brad. Hey, I, I, I think that he has seen the light. And I, when he got elected to the Senate, that was the one thing I'm like, all right, this guy doesn't necessarily fall in line with anybody. Yeah. So I'm not terribly surprised that he's not following in line now. But yeah, apparently he's had some sense knocked I into him. Lo- I so love that you said how nice it was that they had the janitor. A photo of the janitor. <laughs> I thought, wow, the custodian. This is great. What an honor that they're giving him. Nope. Uh, all Let's right. The governor. Uh, it's the Kendall and Casey show. Brad's in for Casey today. Let's talk about somebody who's lost their mind and not in a good way, shall we? Yes, please. Uh, Todd Rokita. Oh, okay. oh, oh, tell me more. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't going to, because a little bit later on in the program, we've got Mark Rutherford, who is, uh, Brad, you can vouch for this, uh, one of the most well thought of legal minds in central Indiana. Yes, fabulous attorney. Yeah, phenomenal attorney. attorney. And I said, look, people like me clearly have an opinion and a bias on this. People like Abdul clearly have an opinion and a, and a bias on this. So let's bring in someone who is above reproach, who is argued in front of the, uh, the state Supreme Court, who you know, doesn't have any personal animosity one way or another. And let's get his perspective on how much uh, trouble Rokita might actually be in. And I think people are going to be fascinated by a very fair down the middle kind of observation on where Rokita's at. But the news was playing, you know, kind of some updates on this. And again, if you're if you have been hiding under a rock or not familiar, just a very quick high level reminder. So Todd Rokita uh, is the attorney general. He went on Fox News this must have been last year, I guess it was, made uh, some inflammatory statements about a, a doctor who performs abortions. 
it, they were so inflammatory that someone who knows nothing about the law, such as myself at the time, came on these airwaves and said, he's going to get in really big trouble for that because that's totally inappropriate for someone to say who oversees this person potentially in a court of law or has some sort of prosecutorial power, not criminally, but her law, her medical license, et cetera. And sure enough, he was ultimately hit with a reprimand by the state Supreme Court and told, you behaved inappropriately, do not do that again. And part of the agreement was that he admitted, yeah, I acted under affidavit in court, I acted inappropriately. And this is the best part. (laughs) And then within... I don't know, seven seconds of that ruling coming down. Keep in mind, they could have done much worse to him. Oh, yeah. Two well, of the justices wanted to do it, much it worse. Was, it was a three to two ruling, right. and the other two wanted to go far more harsh on him. And instead of just saying, hey, thanks, I learned my lesson, there's a million different ways he could have said it and saved face. He could have talked about his passion for life and the unborn, and he didn't agree with the actions. There's a million different ways he could have still put out a press release, saved face, looked good in the eyes of the voters. And the crazy thing is, Brad, There's no threat from the left unless you create the threat by being a complete incompetent buffoon. It wouldn't have mattered that he got reprimanded. No one was going to vote against him in the election this year based on that. Nobody was going to be like, yeah, we're Team Destiny Wells because Todd Rokita was too (laughs) pro-life. But instead of just taking his wound and, and, you know, you could still spin it in your favor— he goes out and goes, oh, I didn't really do anything wrong. The only reason I took this deal was, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to save the taxpayers a bunch of time and money. Yeah, right. Like Todd Rokita's ever cared about saving the t- taxpayers time and money when it comes to his reputation. And so a bunch of people are going, wait a second. You signed an affidavit over here saying you did something wrong and you couldn't defend it, which is why you took the plea deal. And, uh, so under penalty of perjury, basically. And then you're over here saying, oh, I didn't do the thing that I signed the thing saying I did. So now he's back in front of the disciplinary commission for potentially filling out a false affidavit. I'm I'm curious to get Mark's take on this, Mark Rutherford's take on this, because I think Rokita might be screwed. Oh, the general consensus is, and we'll get into this here in a second, but so he had to issue his, so the disciplinary commission said, we are investigating you again right. based on the comments you made after the ruling from the Supreme Court came down and he had to issue a response to the disciplinary commission and it is insane uh Brad it is insane what he what he alleges in there that this is some sort of witch hunt against him that's political in nature and designed to embolden his political detractors. And I mean, just this bizarre. It's funny the witch hunter is saying that he's the victim it, of a witch hunt. I, it is insane. This is not politics. This is essentially a tribunal for your political life that you are uh, that is on the line here. Because if he loses his law license, he cannot be attorney general. No. So these people, these people being the Supreme Court and the prosecutors are essentially the disciplinary commission, have the ability to take your entire future into their hands and you are insulting the people. It's not like Trump with Jack Smith where he, he's got to prove it in court and a jury of his peers will decide. No, these are the people that are deciding and you're insulting the people who are ultimately going to make the decision. What a complete lack of self-control from this guy. And I don't know if no one loves Todd Rokita. No one has the ability to pull him aside and hug him and say, you are making egregious mistakes here, buddy. But I am with you, Brad. He went from a slap on the wrist that nobody would care about to there is a real chance now the Supreme Court is going to say, and you know those two justices that voted to suspend him the last time are going to tell those other judges, we warned you, right? and it, you yep. gave him a break. Yep, he gave you the bird, two he, birds flying. Exactly. And so this is going to set up a fascinating scenario here, Brad, 
where I think the only thing that could possibly, possibly save him because his behavior is so egregious is that the Supreme Court will say, this guy was voted in. If we yank his law license permanently, they're definitely going to suspend him in my mind. I don't see any way they're not going to at least suspend his law license. But if they yank it permanently, we would be taking away the vote of however million plus people or whatever it was voted for him and we don't want to do that but i'm not sure at this point i'm not sure they care at this point i don't think they care i don't think they care and, and if he gets removed from office his political career is done oh yeah and he has been a political lifer yeah. in the state really he's so, an office hopper yeah well he was chief of staff for sue ann gilroy at the secretary of state's <laughs> office right. in the late 90s and that's how he became secretary of state for two terms and then he went into congress and uh, ran look, for Senate. Look, I, nobody, no, there's no secret. I do not like Rokita. I don't like his behavior. I like his politics. This is why this frustrates me, because I like his politics. His behavior is pathetic. And it something happened to him, Brad, when he ran for U.S. Senate. Yes, he, he was a, you used to not be like this. No, and, and, and I'm glad you're saying this, because you're a neutral arbiter in this. Yes, I, I have known him, and largely throughout the time that I've known him, I have really liked Todd Rokita. But there is something that has changed with him. Yeah, so uh, so the, we decided to open the hour with two guys who have lost their marbles, one in a good way, uh, one in a bad way, and the show is off and running for the 10 o'clock hour. Brad's in for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Biden administration is totally out of touch with you, and wow, they say it out loud. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob, uh, Brad Kloffenstein in for Casey today. I, uh, I don't know about you, Brad. I fear for the direction of this country. Well, old white guys always do. <laughs> um, because I, I see... I see the Biden administration and I see a group of people who have no answer on how to make America better because what they want to do is not make America better. It's run by a bunch of people who believe America is an inherently evil, awful place. The idea of American exceptionalism, American greatness doesn't they don't believe in that. And so they're not they're not looking at a problem and going, we must make it better. They're figuring out in their mind it is working. They're figuring out how to compound the problem. And so, obviously, that's unacceptable. The bigger thing for me, and I I know what they are, the bigger problem I have is I look at the Republican side, and with Trump, I don't see a guy with a vision for the country. I see a guy with a vision and a passion for revenge. Yeah, he's on a revenge tour right now, for sure. And I think he's running a markedly better campaign, as weird as this sounds, from a pure campaign structure. I was reading about this over the weekend than he had in... 2016 or 2020 from the actual nuts and bolts of campaigning and then the people around him and his infrastructure and there's a real chance he's going to win but i don't know what that means for america because i haven't heard a vision unlike he had in 2016 of what he wants to do so i'm seeing two people running one who i know their vision is america's inherently evil and awful and i want more of the pain and suffering because we believe america deserves it and then the other guy who we're counting on and i don't know what you're going to do. He's no longer saying make America great again. He's just saying, screw these guys. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, screw these guys. That's what should be on the hat. So Quinn Folks, who's a uh, campaign manager for Biden, was on Meet the Press and got asked about their vision. And this is the conversation we've had. Like, what is the vision for America from either one of these guys? And listen to the things he lists as the priorities for another Biden term. You talk about democracy being on the ballot. Some top Democratic lawmakers say, "Okay, good to be focused on former President Trump. But you've got to talk about what a second Biden agenda would look like. What would on day one President Biden's top priority be? Well, look, the president announced this campaign with the moniker of Finish the Job and Protecting Freedom and Democracy. So when we talk about that, let's look at it. First of all, Roe. Uh, the president has been adamant that we need to restore Roe. It is unfathomable that women today wake up in a country with less rights uh, than their ancestors had years ago. Number two, the president has already done a lot to prevent gun violence. He passed the Bipartisan, uh, Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. He's established an office for gun violence prevention. But we have to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Three, the fact that millions of Americans are still paying thousands of dollars a month for a, a medicine, a life-saving drug that a patent was sold for $1 for insulin. We have to cap the cost of insulin for everyone. And then number four, the president has already forgiven over $132 billion for student loan debt for 3.6 million Americans, and there's billions more to be forgiven. And so that's what the president means by finishing the job, and that's some of the things that I think you can expect from a second Biden-Harris administration. Okay, so the translation of this is the top priorities of Biden, if he's reelected, is figuring out a way to suck as many brains out of defenseless fetuses as we can, violating the Constitution because the Supreme Court has already said you can't ban assault weapons, they're, 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 law, they're legal, and telling people, other people, who did things the right way and saved for their college or paid off their debts, that you're responsible for people who willingly and knowingly took out debt. That That's the priority of this country. Nothing about inflation, nothing yeah. about getting the price of food under control, nothing about you know, the securing the border. This is insane, Brad. Yeah, there's, there's nothing in there about, we're going to give you every, every opportunity to succeed, but we're not going to hand it to you. You're going to have to earn it, and we expect everybody to do their share. What a great campaign slogan. Can I steal that? Yes, you can. I mean, I'm not running for anything, but not I mean, right just, might just steal it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, a lot more on the way. Brad Kloppenstein Stein in for Casey. Now, Brad, you're up. When we come back, you're a very wealthy individual. No, I'm very, not, I'm Rob. very well. I've been to your house multiple times. Uh, you live in a fort. I, well, I do I, live I, in a you fort. Literally live in a fort. Yes. Um, you won't believe. So I know you don't sit around worrying about money, but you won't believe a new poll how much it says Americans actually worry about money. We'll talk about it next. Kendall and Casey Show, ninety three WIBC. You won't believe the amount of people who worry about money, and I blame. I blame us as a society. It's Kendall and Casey show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Bradson for Casey today. Kev is here. So a new survey is out, 2,000 U.S. adults, and they asked people about money. And this is fascinating, Brad. 33% are described as fear, feeling paralyzed to act when a financial disruption occurs. And what that tells me is our society is not properly prepared to deal with life. I would say yes. Because that is 
the you the reality is unless you are born on third base you know if you were born into a family of a mid like if your last name is rockefeller or <laughs> gates or musk all right i mean you're probably you're not going to have these issues but for the average person you are and probably multiple times in your life going to face some sort of financial conundrum yes and we are based on this i mean it's not like it's this 33 percent you know go back and forth or sometimes try. the word is paralyzed the phraseology was paralyzed to to act when financial disruption occurs the most common disruptions uh, are unexpected medical bills or expense medical emergency cost of living increases increase in loan payments or losing a job and that means that from the time people are very small so the public education system and their parents right they work in in conjunction together are not getting young people ready to enter the world and face basic things that everybody has been facing for countless generations now no, it's because the government fosters dependence you're right they absolutely foster dependence because that is control rob and that is exactly what happens i mean basically from cradle to grave from the time that you're in preschool now they're feeding the government is feeding you certainly breakfast and lunch, sometimes dinner, oftentimes on the weekends. They are not encouraging you to be an entrepreneur, which this country was built on. What they're doing is they're saying, we're going to have all these social safety nets and you're going to be completely reliant on the government and you will not be necessarily terribly uncomfortable, but you will not thrive. Yeah. And, and, and you know, life is hard, but you should be able to navigate it. Now, if you have Correct. some sort of debilitating illness or dis I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about regular able-bodied people should be able to finagle themselves a middle-class existence. And what I mean by that is I obviously had an addition to my family this year, last year, within the last year. That means any person with an ounce of common sense recognizes things are going to get more expensive. I made the choice to have children. My wife made the choice to have children. We are capable of recognizing that is gonna mean more expenses, some of them probably greater than others than we have ever had before. Right. So we had two options. You could cut back your existence somewhere else, or you could find a new revenue stream to make up so you don't have to cut back somewhere else. We made a choice together. I really like golf. I had a great opportunity to have a good job at a golf course. And so it's not like I'm working somewhere and it's very near my house so they could come out and visit me, etc. So that was the choice we made. We have navigated we have navigated uh life and it drives me crazy that our government has ingrained and a lack of good parenting has ingrained in so many young people that you are some sort of victim. It's part of why the Rokita thing pisses me off so much, Brad, is because he's playing victim and he's not a victim. No. Rokita's a smart guy. I mean, relatively speaking. 
but he knows. He knew when he ran for attorney general that there are different rules because you got to have a law license and this body, this disciplinary commission and the Supreme Court oversee your law license. It's not politics as usual. Just like when I had a kid, I knew there were new responsibilities that came into the game. I was going to be the best dad I could be and be the best provider I could be. And when we made the choice to have kids, I knew there was added responsibility. The same way Rokita knew when he became attorney general, there were new responsibilities than being secretary of state or a congressman because you can't just flap your gums because there's a new sheriff in town. And that's the Supreme Court and the disciplinary commission. He didn't abide by the rules. And instead of accepting responsibility and being a man about it, he is still to this second and he did it this morning with tony blaming everybody but himself the very thing he's supposed to be a conservative and we're supposed to express to people hey you are responsible for you like you talked about you are responsible for your own life take ownership of your flaws and your successes and you are in charge of you he's blaming everybody but himself so uh, this drives me crazy that people have been so dumbed down by the government and by their parents that a third of Americans, when they have to make hard choices, essentially are emotionally incapable of doing that. Well, he's had for 20 years, people have been telling him yes and telling him that his stuff. Rokita. Yes, yeah. and that, that his stuff doesn't stink. And at some point, you start to believe that. Yeah. And you believe that you can do no wrong. And you're right. When suddenly, when you're faced with be the consequences of your own actions right it is hard to accept the fact that you screwed up and and so to bring this to this conversation most of these people who are feeling financially paralyzed when they have to make a decision are feeling that because they haven't prepared properly now again there are people who have mental or physical disabilities that are things that are beyond their control we're not talking about that but most americans are capable of working they are capable of affording uh Insurance. I mean, hell, the government practically gives it away these days. They are capable of, you know, making responsible choices and affording their own food and not needing assistance. But we have told so many people, this is not your fault and you're incapable of succeeding and you can't do it. The people don't feel the drive like you talked about earlier, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit that drove this nation for generations is being gutted out of our fabric because everybody is told from the time they're old enough to comprehend what's going on around them that they're a victim. Yeah. You're not a victim. No, no. It, there are some people who are not who will do only the minimum that it takes to get by, and they feel like things are below them. Yeah. Uh, I know. A, 10 years ago, dozen years ago, I was at a low point. I had nothing else going on. I took a job at Amazon in a warehouse working 12 hour shifts just so I could get by. Yeah. You have, sometimes you have to do what it takes to get by and you make your breaks and oftentimes, yeah, turning down opportunities are, is exactly that. Mo it, mo most of our audience knows I, I, each night I write a, uh, an entry in a journal for my daughter and I've done it every day since we found out that that she was going to be a girl and we've done it every day since some of sometimes it's just tracking things that happened if monumental things happen and then sometimes it's just life thoughts and 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 life lessons and this is an entry i just made recently was about this about how in your life as long as you remain healthy and god blesses you to be healthy you will grow up in a middle class existence where while you are not born on third base we we being your mother and i will give you the opportunity where your mistakes will be your own, your successes will be your own, and you will have every opportunity possible to do whatever it is that you would like to do, and you will be responsible for that. 
you are not going to live in a mansion. You are not going to have a yacht. You are not going to have a private plane. Uh, you're not going to have season tickets to the local football team, but you are going to have food. You are going to have shelter. You are going to have clothing. You are going to have access to education. And as long as you remain an able-bodied individual, we will set you up to where you will be able to accomplish whatever you want. But if you don't, you will need to know that it is because of you that you succeed or right. or fail. And parents are not doing that with their kids anymore. No. Neil Bortz once said his three steps to at least moderately being moderately successful in life. Step one is as long as somebody else is paying, receive as much education as you possibly can. Step two is do not have a child until you're financially ready to do so. And step three is do not leave a job until you have a job that either pays you more or provides you with better opportunities. If you follow those three steps, you'll be moderately successful in life. And, and one other thing, and then we'll, we'll move off this, but I chose a career in radio. And I was told from the time I was, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I, but, I, but I, I was told from the time I was very young. You're going to have a lot of fun in this business. You're not going to get rich. Mm -hmm. So I was warned. And I've chosen, I've spent most of my life having a damn good time, Brad. I've had a lot of fun and a lot of great things have come out of it. And I've met a lot of awesome people and had a lot of awesome experiences. But the reality is there is a trade-off, a choice that I made, whereas other people have careers that are probably not nearly as interesting or as fun or as wild and wacky, but they live in a nicer house. They have a nicer car. They have more money in their bank account. That is the trade-off. That is what life is about. Unless you are LeBron James, life is about trade-offs. Life is about hard decisions. Life is about giving this and getting and getting that. And it is just amazing. I, I read that study that that many people are incapable of making essentially basic financial choices and decisions it, it just it blew my mind kev do we have that ad so you sent this to me this is great i love this this is great so this is a cadillac it's a cadillac ad from 2014 so this is 10 years ago 10 years now. Old now and think about the message cadillac was sending then and where we're at as a country now and think about how far we have come they would never run this ad today go why do we work so hard for what for this, for stuff. Other countries, they work, they stroll home, they stop by the cafe, they take August off. Off. Why aren't you like that? Why aren't we like that? Because we're crazy, driven, hardworking believers, that's why. Those other countries think we're nuts. Whatever. We're the Wright Brothers Insane, Bill Gates, Les Paul, Ali. Were we nuts when we pointed to the moon? That's right. We went up there, you know what we got? Bored. So we left. Got a car up there I left the keys in. Do you know why? Because we're the only ones going back up there, that's why. But I digress. It's pretty simple. You work hard, you create your own luck, and you gotta believe anything is possible. As for all the stuff, that's the upside of only taking two weeks off in August. Nespa? Great ad. I love that commercial. It, I, I love the message, which apparently they got a bunch of pushback when they ran that ad initially. As I said, they ne they'd never run that ad today. They'd never be able to run that. And it was only 10 years ago. So like there's an ad from the 70s. Right. It's 10 years ago. And yet we as a society have created such a victim mentality. 
again, I think that's what, like, when we started the show earlier today, talking about January 6th and then the stuff that happened, the riots in these various other cities. All these people who are criminals, thugs and criminals, and in some case murderers, they were presented as victims. These people were burning cities to the ground. Well, they've got a lot of pent-up frustration. No, they're scumbags. They're scumbags. They're opportunists. They're awful, horrible people. And we keep excusing bad behavior. All right, let's take a break. Brad's in for Casey. Hammer's next. Kendall Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, yeah, it is the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Klopfenstein Stein in for Casey. Hammer's here. Hello. Good old-fashioned sausage fest in this joint today. We call it the man show. (laughs) All right. So uh, the Colts did Colts things and came up a little short. And uh, how do you run that play without Jonathan Taylor in the game at the uh, end of the football game? And that's the thing that I'm more fired up about than anything. I'm not mad at the play call. If you want to sit here and argue, you know, they should have ran it. They should have done this or that. Fine. We can have that debate. I'm fine with the play call. But Jonathan Taylor's got to be on the field. Yeah. If he drops that pass, because it wasn't a great pass at all by Gardner Minshew. That was if, behind him. and yeah. If Taylor drops it, I can live with that. Because that's the dude that, you know, he's your franchise. But a practice team guy yeah. dropping the ball, I'm not mad at him either. No. Because he shouldn't have been in that position. He's doing practice guy stuff. And what kills me is all of these butt sniffers yeah. carrying the water mm-hmm. for the Colts right now on social media. Like, they're coming at me on social media because I said JT has to be in the game. Seems a pretty straightforward statement. He's your you're hot. You just gave him this huge contract. Right. Well, what did you want him to do? He was going to get stuffed. He was going to do this or that. Like, can you imagine... The Chicago Bulls. It's 1993. Yeah. They're down by two. There's eight seconds left. Based on what these Colts fans are telling me, well, they should take Michael Jordan out of the game. Yeah, here you go, Steve Kerr. We're putting the ball in your hands. Because the defense is going to be expecting Michael Jordan to take <laughs> the shot. Well, yeah. There's you a- want your best player to win. And I'm telling you, when it comes to postseason, whether it's basketball or football, players yep. win games and not plays. There's a famous uh, quote by Casey Jones, who's the coach of the Celtics in, in the 80s when they had those great teams with McHale and Bird and Parrish. And it's into some game, and he's drawing up a play, and they got the ball, and he's drawing all this stuff, and Larry Bird finally just stops and goes, give me the ball and get the hell out of my way. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, Larry, I'm the coach here. And then he looks at the team and goes, okay, get the ball to Larry and get the hell out of his way. Like, how do you take that guy out of the game? And he was running the ball well. Yes. yes, the Texans did stuff a few runs, but I can live with the Colts coming up short with Jonathan Taylor yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. I can live with that. Let's be honest. The Colts shouldn't have been here. House money, backup quarterback. But still, you're at home with a chance to win the division. Yep. You know, because ultimately the Jags took a crap. <laughs> <laughs> you were at home against a rookie quarterback who's good. He made a couple great throws in that game. You got to win that, yeah. man. You got to win that. And your best player has to be on the field. If you get beat with him out there, that happens. Sometimes that's ball. But don't give me this crap of, well, he sh- the play call was fine. The personnel was fine. That's ridiculous. If it was uh, fine, we would have won. <laughs> right. Things that are fine is what's coming up for you on Friday. Oh, my goodness. It's early in 2024, but it's like Christmas. Yeah. 
Hammer and Nigel show live at Woodland Bowl from 3 to 7. So our big bowling charity event starts at 7. Mm-hmm. Red, white, and bowl presented by the fine folks at Jack Daniels. All righty. It's sold out. So if you did not get a ticket for that, um, man, that stinks. But what you can do oh. is come hang out with us from 3 to 7. And it's Beer Sample Friday. Maybe Jack Daniels will get there a little Ooh, earlier. Buddy. And we are going to have a good time. Let's pack that bowling alley. Let's be loud. Let's get a little rowdy. Let's have a good time. And let's raise some money for charity. Rob, isn't that your baby over there? Ah, she'll be fine. <laughs> Tailgating in the parking lot. <laughs> Rob Kendall's baby is in the gutter in one of the bowling lanes right now. He thought I thought she was a bowling ball. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, merch store, what's going on? New merch store. So with Valentine's Day right around the corner, the new and improved Hammer and Nigel Show merch store, which is just fancy talk for, we fired the yeah. jackasses that ran it before. Yeah. Uh, the new and improved store, this is the time to get your ultimate Valentine's Day gift, the I Love Rob Kendall t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Or... The I hate Rob Kendall T-shirt. Yeah. Now the perfect Valentine's gift. Are you just like rebranding all the Fredericks of Hollywood merch and <laughs> putting Hammer and Nigel on there? Um, there, there no, look, there, there is nothing, fellas, on Valentine's Day that will get your wife to remove her underwear faster than if you present her with an I love Rob Kendall T-shirt. Right. Or maybe if she's a teacher and she gets angry and she likes to wear red, you could buy her the I hate Rob Kendall T-shirt, which comes in. Teacher Ray. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a brilliant. So, uh, store.hammerandnigel.com, correct? Yes, we've got it linked on our Facebook, Twitter, and in addition to the Rob Kendall collection, yeah. uh, there's Hammer and Nigel Show hoodies, pint glasses, hats, t shirts, is this anything shirts, lewd new dude in the new shirts. I'm wearing my I Hate Rob Kendall shirt to the Brownsburg School Board meeting tonight, in fact. Oh, yeah. Gonna yes. go see our buddy Mike Wells. Let's see if he's a big tough guy uh, like he was on WIBC a few weeks ago when I wasn't here. Here. He'll get a chance to say it right. right Are you going to gonna confront him? Oh yeah, I'm going to take my full three minutes to talk <laughs> the, uh, in my I hate Rob Kendall shirt. Hey, real quick, we got about 30 seconds left. National championship game tonight. Washington is what? Where they're getting four? That seems like a lot of points. You don't, you don't think so though? Man, I think. I want Washington to win because I like Michael Penix, but I think Michigan's going to bully those dudes in really? the fourth quarter. Even the spread, cover the spread, and everything. Yes. <sighs> What's I don't like it any more than you guys do. <sighs> What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford, and uh, we'll talk to Kevin Bowen about whatever the hell that was to end the cold season. Uh, it's Kendall and Casey Show. That's Hammer. Kloppenstein signed in for Casey, 93 WIBC.